Do I get it? You know, sometimes, sometimes I do. I don't get it. Hello, everyone. Hello. Thanks for tuning in to I Don't Get It. This is a podcast about performance in Edmonton. I'm Fonda. And I'm Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Fonda. (laughs) Uh, And we are proud to be part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered Powered by by ATB. Thanks for joining me, Andrew, after I had like an emergency guest bail (laughs) this afternoon. (laughs) Uh, No problem. I'm also sorry I didn't actually get to go see the show with you this afternoon. That's okay. That's okay. I've seen it before. (laughs) So, well, um, and I saw it again today and it was great. I saw Shumka's Nutcracker today. Um, But uh, yeah, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, I want to throw to a review that um, I I, I saw a show earlier this week with... Um, our other regular guests, Laura Boo and Colleen Fian. Fair warning, um, Laura and Colleen and I have been besties for a real long time, um, and it's now sort of rare to get the three of us in a room together. So um, uh, we're we're pretty we're pretty happy to be in the room together. Just fair warning, yeah. Buckle up. <laughs> so we'll throw to that now. We saw Sarah does a solo at Mile Zero Dance. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is it's such a special holiday season, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's so special. So special. <laughs> jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. If you if you haven't listened to the podcast before and haven't heard those voices, well, I, I will say right now that they are some of, of course, my very favorite people. Um, my ladies, Laura, Laura Rabu and Colleen Fian are here to talk about um, a show that we saw tonight at Spazio Performativo at Mile Zero Dance. Um, we saw Sarah Does a Solo by uh, artist Sarah Porter. Um, it was indeed a solo. <laughs> um, and yeah, so, well... Set us up a little bit. Maybe um, we'll start, Laura. Um, what? How does this performance take shape? What are we watching? Uh, we're watching a one-woman show that has bits of singing, bits of dancing, and bits of memoir sort of interwoven in it, uh, as well as sort of abstract images um, and reflections on the memoir based in the show. Yeah. 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 It's very uh, authentic. I'd say it's very authentic movement based like very personal and uh truth truthful like real like about talking about your story mm-hmm. yeah. really really authentic to the performer's life yes yeah mm-hmm. and the stage was just a, a simple we we go, we go into a space that used to be a, a yoga studio there's three rows of chairs and there's just you know a sort of a dance floor and some basic audio sounds so it was and then some props but it was very just you and the dancer in the space con- connecting Mm-hmm. And maybe, um, so maybe we'll get to describing Spazio Performativo as a performance space a little bit um, after uh, after a while here, um, because I do want to address that part of um, of watching performance in that space. Um, but uh, so for, for both of you, um, what were some of the parts of the performance that really stood out that were really sort of like memorable images or scenes? Mm-hmm. 
Um, I like the way that the different memories brought on a different texture to the dancing. So I, I liked the uh, the sound of uh, a body against a chalkboard, uh, rubbing against the word irony, <laughs> or yeah. Yeah, the sound of someone writing the word irony, or um, like I know that what your favorite part is, and I liked it too, the tap shoe and the mm-hmm. ukulele. Um, uh, bring, and then and then also the other quality of this imaginary piano, playing the imaginary piano, and then bringing that into the improv afterwards and like how it kind of gives you different internal rhythms that give you a different uh you know a different texture to each sort of section of the piece so i thought it was interesting yeah yeah the performer had these really like very like solid scenes and then thinking back on it even just hearing you describe those bits it was just like wow she actually packed so much into that performance yeah. you know the 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 arc of learning the mozart pieces on piano and like how she wasn't good at them at first and then after a certain sort of signature within the piece she can play them fully um the wearing one tap shoe <laughs> and dancing around with a ukulele uh i for some reason i, I mean i couldn't see much because of where i was sitting unfortunately but yeah. the just like the being a, <laughs> just that um sound signature was hilarious to me um and uh what was the first one that you made oh the the irony on the chalkboard so that was there was a part where there was a projection of the performer in the same um costume that she's wearing on on stage um writing irony on a large chalkboard and then in the projection she's erasing that chalkboard with her own dress that she's wearing in the projection um but also the performer itself herself is also mirroring it on the stage in front of the projection um, along the same wall, which was kind of like a weird, brilliant illustration of irony and (laughs) and oddness itself. This is like fantastic. Yeah, I just I really enjoyed the. So myself, I'm not a dance person like I just I I can appreciate it visually but I don't I don't have a huge repertoire or a huge vocabulary for dance and I I just found for me watching this one I really enjoyed her narrative and so she, when she was telling these stories about growing up and her mother and her father and things and things she observed I sort of tacked into those but I the dance was lost on me for the most part unfortunately and again maybe it was just where we were sitting I couldn't see a lot of the movement but but I actually loved how she opened and she closed the show because she started the show by doing um, the introduction that a lot of theater companies are doing right now by thanking Treaty 6 and all these things or sorry recognizing Treaty 6 and then and then the sort the show just sort of begun and she had this awkward moment where she was like I'm here and I used to be a dancer and then she's explored what that would mean and and she had these moments of big vulnerability and you're like whoa I thought we were introducing the show but all of a sudden it's this big vulnerable moment and um so it just caught me off guard and I was like oh we're being vulnerable now okay I'll pay attention and um and then at the end of the show too it was sort of just like I'm having this moment and I'm having this moment and then she turns to us and goes that's it the end (laughs) and so it was this it was this delving in and delving out that I found sort of uh, unpredictable but yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I think a lot of the movement was uh fairly improvisational um it it didn't seem like a super set choreography i think that there's a lot of um ability to respond to the space um and to the audience that's there i felt that she was really engaged with the audience um even though she could probably really only see the front row (laughs) (laughs) um 
But I wanted to ask you both because I am not a mom. I have not gone through oh. the pregnancy phase. But she goes, uh, the Sarah Porter in the performance, put, uh, there's a phase uh, where she puts on um, a papier mache mold of uh, like a maternity body, like of a pregnancy body. And I know that this is something that pregnant ladies do. They have a mold made sometimes of. It's a thing, but I didn't do it. <laughs> I didn't do it either. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, but so ne- neither of you did it, but I hear. I, I have some pictures taken and I never look at them. <laughs> I hear that it's a hipster new age mama thing. Oh. Um, some okay. people do it. Actually, you can get a mold kit at winners I've seen oh. so there you go yeah <laughs> yeah you can get it you can get one at Michael's I could get one at Michael's I could wear Dorothy around and put a yeah. papier maternity mache mold around Dorothy and and yes exactly so any in any case um she wears a mold um and I feel that it actually was probably made for her when she yes. was pregnant because it fits her quite perfectly she's nude from the top down um for a, a, a significant part of the performance and it fits her perfectly. <laughs> so, so, but she's dancing around with this mold, and then she starts singing or, or reciting an an interesting poem yeah. um, about uh, mothers and drinking and and stuff like that. And it was I, I mean, I felt like it was quite profound and disturbing, uh, interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to I wanted to get both of your reactions to that to that part. Um, yeah, well, actually, Colleen and I were kind of having a conversation about this a little bit. Just the, the you know, the facade of motherhood and how you have to pretend like everything is always good um, all the time. And so I was, I really appreciate seeing a mother on stage. Um, uh, you, you're seeing kind of the anxiety and the tension um, and the darkness of, of motherhood mm-hmm. um, in a really um, honest, uh, connected way that isn't yeah. vilifying a mother but is just actually being quite open about the kind of between the cracks of what it's actually like to care mm-hmm. for someone 24 hours a day so mm-hmm. I actually really I appreciate I appreciated it I thought it was it was interesting and brave and it was dark it was really just mm-hmm. dis- it was really mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. it was very out of place in the rest of the show in a way too it was this, this very like pocket of darkness <laughs> yeah the lighting the lighting completely changed before it yeah. right like she had this sort of like one shaft of light to introduce the well the costume piece really um and then and then continued on in this sort of this this poetry that was that was a, a departure from the rest of the of the performance i think for sure yeah Well, I kind of wondered if I just self-selected into this portion of the show disproportionately because it's sort of what I'm going through right now. (laughs) I I have a newborn son who is eight weeks old. Um, So I I sort of figured I I kind of wondered, yeah, like if this part of the show spoke to me disproportionately just because of my own life experience. But she sort of started the show by saying, you know, I'm a dancer. I have three children and two ex-husbands and and, you know, and I took all this time off dancing while I was raising children. So that sort of spoke to me just in my own life because I'm taking time for my career right now. But but yeah, she sort of this big beam of light pops up and she sort of crawls to it on her hands and knees and then puts on this whole maternity mold and um, yeah, and tells this super dark story about being afraid that the authorities were coming for her sorry poem about the authorities coming from her children and whiskey and things like that and dysfunction and yeah like that's a huge fear that i think as a as a mother 
that you have that I don't get the sense dads have, but, um, <laughs> or not all dads. I'm sorry, I shouldn't speak stereotypically. Not all dads. Not all dads. <laughs> Excuse me. But I get the feel, I get the feeling and just knowing friends of mine that it's a very maternal thing that you just sort of have to flip into this mode and, and yeah, there's big fear. And so you're right, that, that part of the show really did speak to me. But I, I as, a, as an audience viewer, I kind of wrote it off because I just assumed I'm too in it right now to really be, to not, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. So I wrote okay. that experience off for myself, which is stupid. Because <laughs> it was actually really profound. <laughs> yeah, don't write off the experiences. Oh, you were like, that's so important or something? Well, yeah, because uh, I was like, I'm too in it right now. Like, of course, it's like ringing loud uh, for me, but like, but maybe yeah. for the average audience score, it wouldn't. Oh, so maybe that's stupid. But. Well, I'm not a mom, and I thought it was super creepy and interesting. I mean, we all have, well, we all have... Um, phases in our lives where you know we are like responsible and caring for people um and also um our you know frankly our society industry culture friendships whatever we're all like fairly steeped in alcohol a lot of the time (laughs) so it is it 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 can it can feel very um grating sometimes even when when people bring that up in a very honest way Mm -hmm. uh and and you 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 sit you and you sit with it Mm -hmm. um and I really appreciated a performer like Porter because there was no there was really no pretense about what she was doing. Yeah. She was super authentic yeah. very, the, from start to finish, even from that treaty acknowledgement to the very end where she's like, yeah, show's over. Um, very much herself. I never felt that we were like, you know, she was getting too heady yeah. or weird with stuff. It was just, mm-hmm. it was still, it was very much her. And I don't know her at all. I've never met her before. Yeah. Um, so, so that was, you know, that was refreshing and, um, um, I, I felt like it was easy. It was easy to take, even though the thing, some of the themes that she was talking about um, were difficult. Uh, but yeah, kind of just like appreciated that she really like played it, played it straight. Yeah. Almost the entire time. I feel like if this was a fringe show that I watched, (laughs) you know, like I feel like if it, yeah, like if it was a one hour fringe show and I like a performer that you took a chance on, had no idea what you were going in to see, like if it wasn't Miles Zero Dance or anything like that, um, you know, it could have been like one of those shows that I would have been like, yeah, this is a solid solid friend show i would go see that performer again i want to see that narrative and you know she was a very good singer too i felt the music selections were wonderful um yeah the my one my one uh and this had nothing to do with the performer herself but it was just like the layout of spacio performativo it's a yoga studio like or it was built as a yoga studio so it's not built as, as as a performance space necessarily yeah I think there has to be a way to either put the performer on a riser or put the back row of chairs on risers so that people can actually see floor work. People can see, you know, like I didn't know there was a tap shoe. <laughs> yeah, like so that so that you can you can because the performances in that space are intimate mm-hmm. and I appreciate that, but there there's there's got to be a way to improve sightline somehow. That's mm-hmm. just a little little niggly note from your resident critic here on I Don't 
on I don't get it. Sorry. Bye, <laughs> Tom. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was great. And uh, I guess the last thing I would just say is I really appreciate the um, the sense of just play and um, watching someone playing in a very present way is is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. almost like a kid, you know, like just that that childlike quality of pretend or dressing up or using play to work through something mm-hmm. yeah. it is and great. Feeling a feeling and just expressing that as they're going and yeah. yeah. And then letting it go and then going on to something else. Yeah. yeah. You're both fantastic hand talkers, and Dorothy is just going crazy, wondering like what you are gesturing to. She's like, "Is there food? Somewhere? Is something happening that I should know about?" All right. Well, thank you both so much for um, being on. I don't get it today, and also for your contributions throughout the year. It has been so wonderful to have you um, throughout the last couple of seasons, uh, closing out the decade on I don't get it. Oh, wow. uh, true. <laughs> Oh, 2019. See you later. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're all, Dorothy, get down. That's rude. Okay. All right, everyone. Um, All right. And uh, well, with that, I guess it's time for an ad. Taproot Edmonton is a source of curiosity-driven stories about our city, cultivated by the community. It's a new way to deliver local journalism, with a focus on high-quality, long-form stories, plus weekly roundups on news and local topics like media, city council, food, business, music, and arts, too. You can sign up to become a member and get more info at taprootedmonton.ca. P.S. We highly recommend the Arts Roundup, written by yours truly. You can sign up at taprootedmonton.ca to get it in your inbox every Thursday. All right, Fonda. Shumka's Nutcracker. Yes. Yeah. Uh, So maybe you can tell us a little bit about who is involved in this production. Uh, there's there's lots and lots of um, collaborating artists involved, uh, which is kind of cool. Um, I think that with Shumka itself um, being a Ukrainian dance company based in Edmonton, they also have a lot of connections in Ukraine that help them produce this show every year. Um, so there are dancers from the Kiev Ballet playing the sort of the principal characters in the Nutcracker, so Clara and the Prince, um, as well as uh, Drosselmeyer and. Um, uh, Clara's parents, I think, too. Um, and then, uh, of course, the company of Shunka itself. And then they also have um, local uh, local choral singers uh, who are kind of round out the cast. Um, and, of course, all of, you know, like the 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 children and rats and, and things like that, that that also join in for any production of the Nutcracker. So um, so it's a big stage and it's very full. So they have choral singers. Uh, do they have like a full-on choir that uh, was providing some of the music? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a full-on choir um, and singing in Ukrainian, uh, which I just, you know, I've got a soft spot for. Um, yeah, the, and, and, and kind of like it's really nice because it sort of speaks to the authenticity of it as, as a Ukrainian-Canadian production um, with, you know, still kind of like upholding this very strong uh, and storied t- tradition of choral music um, in, the, in the Ukraine and also, or in Ukraine, um, and also actually across Eastern Europe too. There's lots of, lots of choral music. Um, I, I really actually quite enjoyed a rendition that they did of Carol of the Bells in Ukrainian too. Mm-hmm. Nice. So uh, the... 
music from the original Nutcracker, Tchaikovsky, uh, it plays such a, an integral role, uh, or, you know, in everybody's minds, and when they think about the Nutcracker, they think about the music. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did the music in Shumka's production uh, compare or contrast to uh, sort of the original? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, when I, I mean, Tchaikovsky's, the Nutcracker music is so classic Christmas that when you hear it, you actually think about Christmas. And a lot of people don't even realize how common the Nutcracker is until they see, oh, they see, you know, like the the big, you know, Russian dance in the second act and they're like, oh, that's the Nutcracker. Okay. Um, but uh, so largely the Tchaikovsky score is preserved. Um, the the one that they use was recorded for Shumka and, um, and they, they also sort of... Um, in the second act with one of the big dances, they kind of do an extended run that makes it seem uh, it, it is the big, you know, like Christmas number that, you know, um, but they change it a little bit so that it loops a bit more. It does sound more Ukrainian, but they do this so they can pull off their usual big ass Hopak number, um, which everybody you go to a Shumka show, you need to see the Hopak. So they have to find a way to put it in there. Um, and, I absolutely love the costumes that they do, uh, that they have for this Hopak. They're all like red and gold and black and just like, uh, yeah, it's just fantastic. I, when, you know, I've seen a lot of productions of the Nutcracker and there's a lot of um, variation in the styles and eras that they put it in sometimes. Um, But I think that Shumka's costumes for the Nutcracker are my like definite favorite. Also the, you know, the the house party um, to begin with, they're all in like these like gold and black gowns and stuff. And you know, like you never like see like a full ballet or dance company wearing like these like elegant black dresses, but like that's, they pull it off pretty nice, I think. Uh, so there were some guest dancers as well joining Shumka this year for the production. Uh, maybe you can tell us, a li- tell us a little bit about uh, the dream sequence and uh, who popped in there uh, that you might not have been ex- expecting. Right. So the first act of the Nutcracker is all like Clara gets the Nutcracker doll from her uncle, her weird uncle or, you know, whoever it is. Um, and then the second act is the dream where the Nutcracker comes to life. Um, and yes, they did have some guest dancers um, from outside, even the Shumka and Kiev Ballet companies. There were um, two Irish dancers from Materin Irish Dance or Metarin. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. But um, London and Olivia Noctigal. Um, and they were, you know, they were fantastic. They did, uh, the music was dropped in straight from Riverdance. Um, like, I, I, watching Riverdance, I'm like, I'm pretty much pretty sure the music is straight from it. Um, but, you know, it's fairly authentic Irish movement, costumes, um, and also, I mean, I mean, a little bit more movement with the arms, I guess, but not really all that much. It was pretty much straight up Irish dancing, um, which is interesting because the second act, when they go to the Land of Sweets, or, you know, whatever the, the wherever the dream sort of takes them, they kind of go on a little bit of an international tour. And so they meet um, dancers or performers from all of these sorts of different cultures and different places in the world um, doing dances. And yeah, and so they were there were real Irish ones this time. <laughs> uh, so what other cultures were included in that? Um, there's also a Spanish dance, which they did, um, they did a, like a kind of like matador costume style. Um, there was a little bit of flamenco flavor in the costume, though not too much in the movement itself. Um, but you could definitely recognize it as like, you know, like Spanish-esque. 
Um, there's also a Chinese dance. Uh, and then there's an, an Arabian dance. Um, so what's what's interesting about these dances, because they're part of the big Nutcracker suite, um, the very famous ser- series of short pieces of music that are all like very distinctive, very memorable, um, also very different styles, uh, is that, you know, ballet companies have sort of been doing them the same way for a hundred years, about as old as the ballet was. Um, and it it is a little bit problematic sometimes because often you'll have white dancers doing the Chinese dance um, and or and the Arabian dance is sort of like it's like Jasmine from the Disney Aladdin. Like it's a very sort of like sultry snake like um, type of type of movement and feel to it. And um and I think that, you know, what's cool about Shumka is that they have such authentic Ukrainian um, style and they have access to a lot of um, they have access to a lot of culture here and a lot of cool people in the dance community. Um, and I think that there's this is kind of going off on a tangent, but I think that there's opportunity to um, make the movement of those international pieces a little bit more authentic to the parts of the world that they are um, trying to portray. It is 2019. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. So if you're bringing in Irish dancers to dance Irish dance, uh, yeah, what's stopping folks from bringing in um, other performers from certain cultures to represent the dance yeah, in the piece? We have like, we have like, you know, there's great, great um, many people who do um, Asian and East Asian dance here. And I think that we could find someone who would fill those roles. Yes, this Tchaikovsky music can still be the Tchaikovsky music, but I think there's kind of, there's a way to do it that is like actually showing that culture. What Shumka did with the Chinese dance is that the the choreography is sort of a little bit like martial arts, which was kind of like, you know, getting there. Um, But at the same time, it's like, you're still, you know, there. If you're going to show dance from a culture, show dance from that culture. That's all. There, I'll leave it there. <laughs> uh, was there anything else that stuck out um, in the performance? I uh, really do want to point out the performances of Clara and the Prince. Um, so uh, Clara is played by Tatiana Lozova and the Prince is played by Yaroslav Tkachuk. Um, they're both from the Kiev Ballet. They've played these roles with Shumka for five, five years now or five seasons of doing this show. And... Um, damn like really really quality um you know exquisite movement from them um the role like clara once she gets into the dream is just is just lovely and um and the prince is just this kind of very slick graceful like i want to say dreamy right do you get it dreamy because he's in the dream you know yes andrew's looking at me like whatever i don't get it (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, just like, and, and he can fly, like he can just the, like the leaps and bounds, you know, like Shumka's impressive. The, the male cast of Shumka, of course, like they, they really jump the, the big tricks and everything like that. And the Hopox, uh, numbers are, are always kind of a treat, but like watching this guy jump, it was just like, wow, this, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so would this like be a good option for folks who maybe haven't seen Ukrainian dance to maybe get their, their feet wet a little bit? Yeah, I think that there's enough of like sort of traditional ballet nutcracker and Ukrainian dance that you could definitely get. Um, you, you definitely do get that big sort of like party dance number at the end. Um, I also think that it's kind of an interesting challenge for the Shumka dancers to do something that is a little bit more... Um, not it's it's not contemporary so i'm not going to say that but it's um it's it is a little bit kind of outside the scope of what they would usually be doing like when they're playing they they have all of a, a, a cast playing all of the mice there are some children playing mice which are very cute but then there's also you know like the the kind of like bigger mice who actually do the heavy lifting and the fighting with the soldiers um and they're just like really weird <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think one day I want to see like a really, really abstract, weird ass nutcracker that, you know, um, where the where the mice actually dance instead of just sort of like hunch over and like scuttle, scuttle around. <laughs> um I also wanted to point out um, uh, the two the two dolls that do have solos um, in the piece. Um, Columbina is played by Arlissa MacArthur, and the marionette is Tizia de Blanco. Um, they were both really fantastic. I particularly liked the the one the doll the doll that was kind of a little bit more like a rag doll. Um, just like perfect balance of really kind of like flop like Raggedy Ann movement, but then also just like very like cool lifts, interesting um, interesting postures and stuff with uh, the partner work. I thought that part was really great, and also loved the costume for it too. Great. Is it time for another ad? I think so. This is Adulting is a podcast about finding yourself in adulthood, discussing life influences, and passing on what you've learned. On a recent episode of This is Adulting, hosts Jack and Danny are joined by the president of the Alberta Podcast Network, Karen Unland, to discuss APN, her podcast, That's a Thing, and to test their knowledge of teenage slang. To find out more about This is Adulting and all of APN's member podcasts, visit albertapodcastnetwork.com. Super. All right. Yes. Well, so um, thank you to Colleen and Laura for joining us for the uh, Sarah Does a Solo review. And thank you to you, Andrew, for helping um, steer me through my ramblings on the Nutcracker. That was that was lovely of you. <laughs> I'm always here for some hard pressing questions <laughs> about costumes and, and dancey things. All right. Um, so what's playing now? The Christmas Carol is still running at the Citadel Theater right up until the eve of Christmas Eve, December 23rd. And you can catch With Bells On by Guys in Disguise, which plays at the Varscona Theatre and opens on December 18th and runs through the 21st. Yes, and so um, Paul and I have been diligently planning a special Decade in Review episode of I Don't Get It. Um, that will be coming out uh, just after Christmas, but before the New Year's. So in time for your holiday binge listening, um, stay tuned for that. Also, because it is Christmas and it is like the time of giving, we just wanted to remind you that we are on Patreon. And if you like what we do, please consider um, throwing us a few bucks uh, and we would we would really appreciate it. And, and love you for it. And we love you anyway. But, you know, come on. It's Christmas. <laughs> um, also a reminder that you can check out our brand new podcast, which is still dropping new episodes. Um, it's A Tale of Two Weeklies is the history of the rivalry between C Magazine and View Weekly in Edmonton. And Andrew is our co-producer on that as well. It's really good, folks. You should check it out. So thank you again for listening, everyone. Uh, I hope you're staying warm out there. And go see some shows. 
Bye. I Don't Get It is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or check us out on albertapodcastnetwork.com or the CKUA radio app. I Don't Get It is recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta in the Edmonton Community Foundation's podcast studio. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli, and you can find more of Ghibli's music by going to ghibli.bandcamp.com. I Don't Get It is produced by Andrew Paul, Fonda Mithrush, and Paul Blenov. Sing